0: Your spoken image is more than just the words you say. It's how you connect with your audience, how you convey your expertise, and it's how you leave a lasting impression. Hey there, this is April Lokar with Semi-Conventional, and I wanted to talk to you about your spoken image strategy. This is an offer that isn't just about refining your speaking skills. It's about aligning your message with your mission to create a meaningful impact. As part of your spoken image strategy, we start with a personalized strategy call. Your transformation really begins with this one-on-one strategy call where we get clear on your goals. We also align on the spoken image pillars that will streamline your talking points, ensuring every word you speak drives your vision forward. And then we have ongoing support as part of this as well. Your transformation doesn't stop at the end of the call. You'll then get two weeks of unlimited audio messaging support, and that gives you direct guidance from me as you refine and implement your strategy. So whether you have questions, need feedback, or just want to bounce ideas around, I am here to support you seamlessly. If you're an entrepreneur or a professional who has an upcoming speaking engagement or a networking event, if you aspire to be an impactful speaker in your industry, And if you see value in focusing and elevating a specific area of expertise in your business, we need to talk. If you're ready to speak with purpose and passion, book your Spoken Image Strategy session today at semiconventional.com slash spoken image. Now back to the show. Have you said something and immediately thought, Ugh. I wish I said that differently. Today, we're talking about silencing that inner critic so you can speak with confidence. But first, I have a question. Have you ever tried a speaking group like Toastmasters or something similar? I love them to help you remove excess filler words and really focus on improving your vocal technique. And I know so many people that have found them to be a great resource. And if you're looking for something that's the next step beyond the basics, I'm building something just for you. Over the past three years, many people have suggested that I start a cohort program where driven entrepreneurs can work on their speaking. Now that I've honed in the process with one on one clients, I'm ready to start a small group program where you can come to get coaching, support, and the skills you need to deliver your message with confidence and clarity to make an impact. Sound interesting? Join the interest list at semiconventional.com/slash speaking and be the first to hear updates. I can't wait to share more in the coming weeks. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to Her Spoken Image. I'm April Lokar, founder of Semiconventional and Thought Leadership Consultant. Are you ready to make a greater impact using your unique perspective? I know what it's like to realize you're in the middle of your career and want to create a new path. I've pivoted from school teacher to corporate trainer to entrepreneur with lots of lessons learned along the way. If you want to use your authentic voice to speak up with confidence, you're going to love it here. Each episode, you'll get actionable tips to master public speaking like a pro while honing your spoken image so your message comes through loud and clear. And we'll do all this through a semi-conventional lens that blends a little tradition with a lot of feminist perspective. Sound good? Then let's get into it. Speaking with confidence is about more than just saying things loudly and clearly and being super rehearsed and ready to go. There's so much that goes into confidence with our speaking, and our inner critic is our real confidence killer. So today we're going to explore how you actually speak with confidence and silence that inner critic. So what does it mean to speak with confidence? I like to think of this as clear, concise communication, and being clear and concise is hard because simplicity is hard. Think about Twitter, Twitter used to have a character limit of 140 characters. Now, back in 2017, even they switched it to 280 characters, because being so concise that you can say what you want to say in 140 characters is really tough. So they had multiple, you know, extended tweets, uh, you know, and everybody having to type like one out of four, one out of five, um, because they were tweeting threads, essentially. And so it's really hard to be concise when you have a lot to say. That said, when you're truly confident in your message, you don't need extra words. You just need the right words. Think back to your school days and picture yourself in a math classroom. Maybe you're old enough like me and you're envisioning a chalkboard and actual paper and pencils with like pencil sharpeners that didn't plug into the wall necessarily, you know, before everything was done on a district-issued Chromebook. And think about those math word problems that we used to solve. They were riddled with erroneous information, and the actual skill was less about the calculations and more about deciphering the information. Because simplicity is a skill. So being clear and concise is going to help you with your confidence. Other things that get in the way of being clear and concise are overthinking, because when we are trying to analyze something, we can just overthink like crazy. And you might add a qualifier to your statement. And before you know it, you are so far away from your original point that you have lost sight of where you even started. I mean, just think about talking to a small child um, or even not so small of a child, right? Sometimes kids have a tough time staying focused with their message because their brains are going a million miles a minute. And a lot of times we do that too, especially in a stressful situation or what's perceived to us as stressful, where we have a big presentation or a talk or we press record on social media. And the other thing that I think gets in the way is a fear of being misunderstood, We want so much for people to agree with our point and be influenced and persuaded that we keep talking and sometimes ramble because we're scared that they don't understand what we're saying. So instead of giving space to assess whether they've understood us or not, we keep talking and we just keep saying more. And then we're not sure if we're getting those social cues that they're understanding. So we keep going. And at that point, it just becomes, again, more overthinking because we're in our heads. Not to mention when we also get emotionally attached to the subject, something that maybe we're really passionate about, which you probably have a subject like that, which is why you're listening to this podcast. And we just want to include everything on that topic, right? It's like overpacking your suitcase. You have so many things that could come in handy So you try to pack them all when really you could have probably just gotten away with like a handful of clothes in a backpack for your couple of days stay. And it would have been just fine. Your load would have been heavier. You would have had way more space to handle other things. And speaking is a lot like that too, right? Don't try to include everything in your speaking suitcase. Just keep it simple and try to keep it to backpack size. And full transparency, that's not an analogy I've ever thought of before, but I totally think it works here. So we're keeping it. Now, another thing to consider when it comes to your confidence is body language. If you've ever heard people talk about doing, you know, the superhero pose um, and really trying to put yourself in that confident state of mind, there's a lot that goes into body language. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go, you know, stand in the mirror like Wonder Woman before you go into a speaking event or a presentation, but your posture does actually matter to an extent. Just think about any buddy that you have seen speaking. They're typically not slouched over. They're not leaning way back in a chair. I mean, maybe in a meeting they might be, but if they're giving a talk or a presentation and really trying to drive a message home, they probably sit forward and they get closer to the people that they're talking to. They lean in. And that's because it makes everything that you're saying way more engaging. And it shows that you're confident in what it is you have to say. Now, even if your audience can't see you, this still matters. Even thinking about recording this podcast, I'm not sitting on my stomach. On my bed, leaning over, slouching down. I'm sitting up talking into a microphone, and I'm actually using hand gestures as we talk on this podcast as well, because that's how I get the message out. It really helps my body to engage and be confident in what I'm saying. So, if you're not super confident when you are delivering a message, I want you to practice with different body language. And it's not always the same for every person, right? Some people love doing a superhero pose. Other people like to just take some deep breaths and do a little bit of breath work. It's totally up to you what works for you. But I would encourage you to Google some different options as far as confident body language, and you'll find a whole lot of stuff. And people that are way more qualified to give you body language lessons than I am. But keep in mind that you wanna try out different things and it's not a one size fits all. Now, a third aspect of confidence that I also like to address is engagement. Engagement might not seem like it's a big part of confidence when you're speaking, but let me tell you why it is. When you are giving a talk, giving a presentation, you're really creating a dialogue with the people that you're talking to. Now, even if they can't hear you because maybe it's a podcast or maybe it's on social media, if they can't engage with you directly, there's still ways to create that engagement, which helps show that you are confident in what you are saying, because you know that you're going to get agreement, you're going to get buy-in, you're going to get responses when you try to create that engagement. In fact, just today, I was talking with somebody on Zoom And we were talking about engagement on a webinar. And they said that this was something they actually hadn't quite considered uh, going into the webinar that they're gonna be delivering. And so just with a couple of quick little tips, there are some really amazing ways that you can create engagement on a webinar. Something as simple as, you know, you're going over a key point and maybe using an example to illustrate that. And then you can just say, hey, a quick show of hands, who's had a similar experience? Or you can say, if you can relate to this type, that's me in the chat. Anything along those lines will help to get them involved in what you have to say. And that will boost your confidence because you're going to get buy-in. If people are sitting there listening to what you have to say, they're going to buy into it, especially if you're using stories and examples. Now, if you're doing a more casual or informal talk where maybe you want people to actually respond to you, make sure you use open questions and not questions that can be answered with a yes or no. If you ask in a room full of people, have you had a similar experience? You're going to get like head nods or like, a yeah, from a quiet person in the back of the room, maybe. But if you ask who's had a similar experience or Who can share a similar experience that they've had, right? Those are different ways to get a different kind of engagement to show people that you want to have an actual dialogue. And it's not just you presenting at the front of the room. So some things to keep in mind as far as engagement goes. And again, when you create that engagement, it helps boost your confidence and the audience's confidence in you because they can tell oh, this is someone that's practiced. They know what they're talking about. They're getting our buy-in. People can really read into that and they become more confident in you as a speaker when you engage them as well. They'll know it's not an over-rehearsed scripted talk that you're just reading through in your head, right? You're actually looking for them to be involved. So keeping things simple, using strong body language that works for you, And building in some engagement are all ways that you can speak with more confidence. And they are minor tweaks to what it is that you're already doing. Now, even when you are speaking with confidence, your inner critic is going to show up at some point. It does for all of us all the time. And there's a couple of things that you can do to quiet that inner critic, especially if you have trouble quieting your inner critic the first thing I want you to do is to listen. Listen to what it's telling you. That inner critic wants to be heard for a reason. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong that you need to pay attention to, but you do need to listen and process what it's telling you. Is there an experience from your past that's informing this critic, right? Maybe you had a really bad presentation one time. And now that you're in a very similar situation, or maybe it's even the same topic, that inner critic is coming back and saying, "Mm, remember what happened last time. And at this point, I don't want you to do anything with that information. Just let it sink in and listen to what it's telling you. This is more of a process of mindfulness and self-awareness. That way it helps you to speed up the process of catching your inner critic in the act. If you can start realizing what triggers that inner critic, it's going to be a lot easier for you to silence it in the future. Then once you've realized what this inner critic is telling you, run the worst case scenario in your head. My first corporate job outside of education was with a nonprofit, American Red Cross Blood Services. So we were FDA regulated All the red tape, which meant tons and tons of training, which was great for me at the time because it gave me a lot of exposure to training. And one of the classes that we had was a game that we would play. And the whole point of this game was to help the learners understand what the worst case scenario was if they did something as simple as washing their hands for 20 seconds instead of 30. Now, this was also before pandemic times and before everybody in the world realized how important hand washing with the proper technique was. So we spent so much time walking through these very simple steps in our standard operating procedures. And then when we played this game, we would go through what's the worst that could happen. And so in groups, they would have a scenario and they would have to run through like, Hey, how bad could this be now? Because we were talking about blood bank related business really the worst case scenario always ended up in a patient death. So that's bad, right? And that was kind of the point of that game was to get them to see that even something as simple as, you know, opening the package the wrong way could potentially introduce bacteria into the blood product. And that could harm someone who's sick and cause a patient death, right? And I'm saying that kind of lightly right now, but obviously we talked in depth about that in the class. Now, giving a bad talk or presentation, no one's going to die, right? I mean, as long as it's not giving them really bad advice. But generally speaking, no one's going to die if you give a bad presentation. So when you run through the worst case scenario of what could happen if you give a bad talk and you give into that inner critic and all the bad things it has to say, just think about what's the actual worst thing that could happen. Maybe it's as simple as you don't get that client. Or it could be as bad as, hey, maybe I get fired. And that brings us to the next point of realizing how realistic is that worst case scenario? How many people in the world have gotten fired from one bad presentation? I'm sure there's some, but it's probably not you. So as you're thinking through worst case scenario, really give your logical side of your brain a moment to say, I mean, is that realistic? Is that something that we're actually afraid of? Or is that just like completely out there? And if it happens, we probably have bigger issues. This is a game I also like to play with my kids. If they're worried about something, I'll say, hey, what's the worst that could happen if you don't finish this thing? Maybe it's homework. What's the worst that could happen? Okay, you get a bad grade. Great. And then what? Right? They're not old enough for grades to really matter at this point. So, Okay, you do better next time, right? As long as you gave your best, that's all you can do. And that's all you can do as well, right? Is give your best when it comes to this talk and not let your inner critic derail you. Another way we can avoid this inner critic getting in our way is shifting our language. Oftentimes, our inner critic will tell us things like, I'm not a good public speaker. I want you to shift your language. There's something called the power of yet, right? So anytime your inner critic tells you something and you sit there and you listen to it, add yet to the end of what your inner critic has to say. So instead of I'm not a good public speaker, shift that to I'm not a good public speaker yet, right? It takes the ownership away from that moment and gives our brains the chance to realize we're still improving, and that's okay. Another shift in language that you can make is getting away from always and never. Our inner critic will often say things like, you always do this wrong, or you never get the client when you give this presentation, right? Those are types of things that we can imagine hearing from our inner critic. Now, almost never is any of that true. Again, thinking about my kids and when they argue with each other, we get a lot of, you always do this. And I have to interject and say, is that true? Does that always happen? And they'll look at me and say, no, it doesn't always happen. So we're trying to work on shifting away from that always and never type of narrative. Because it's often not the case. So, much like recognizing when you say ums and ahs and like and so and all those other filler words, once you start paying attention to it, you're gonna hear it a lot. So, pay attention to what your inner critic has to say and journal it if you need to, right? If that helps you to recognize when this is happening in the future, it can be really, really helpful to just write it down again. Paper and pen type of notebook, or just in a Google Doc, or make a voice note on your phone. Get it down anywhere so you can listen back to all of those places that you have found your inner critic giving you really bad advice. Now, I will also say, I have historically been one of those people that will have an interaction, and then I go home, and hours later, I think of the perfect thing to say. In that moment, in that interaction. And I just wish I could go back in time to that moment and give the perfect comeback or say that joke that would have been really funny and landed in that moment. And I will tell you the more I have worked on listening to my inner critic in the moment, the better I've gotten at not thinking about those past interactions and dwelling on them. Now, they still happen because we're human. And we're always going to have some things like that that linger. And we think back, oh man, I wish I would have said this instead. But when you really start paying attention to the way that you speak and being super clear and concise as much as possible and keep improving every time you give a talk or even when you're writing, and then think about those things that your inner critic is telling you and running that worst case scenario and shifting your language, it's really, really going to help you to be in the moment and not dwell on things that you've said in the past, because there's no changing that, right? My son will often be worried about things that could happen in the future. Um, he He's an existential dread kind of kid when it comes to bedtime. And so, he'll always be worried about, you know, well, what happens if you die and things like that. Now, you know, we talk about these things all the time. It's become very normal for him to talk about. But I'm telling you this because I have fallen into something that works to get him out of that moment. And I think it can help some of you as well. I always tell him, don't let the future steal your present. Obviously, with a 10-year-old, we make a joke about the present being a gift and all that sort of thing, right? But don't let the future steal your present. Don't be worried about what could happen in the future. And for any of you that are worried about what you may have said in the past, don't let the past steal your present either. While we can learn lessons from things that have happened in the past, take the lesson, jot down the story, make fun of it, and move on because that's really going to be your best bet to survive the future speaking engagements that you want to have and learn to love them and learn to thrive in them. The people that I love to listen to speaking the most are people that sound like real humans, and they have conversations, even if they're up on a stage. It sounds like they're talking to a friend, even if there's 10,000 people in an audience. So the more we can put ourselves in that moment of being in the present and not letting our critic take hold of our emotions and make us worry about the past or the future, we can do a much better job of focusing on our audience and delivering the value and the message that they need to hear from us in that moment. So with that, I will leave you on this episode with the reminders that if you want to speak with confidence, you need to be clear, you need to be concise. And practicing being clear and concise is going to help you a ton, as will practicing body language that makes you feel confident and creating those genuine engagement moments with your audience. And remember, when that inner critic shows up, listen to what it's telling you, Run the worst case scenario, realize it's probably not that bad and shift your language using the power of yet and recognizing that always and never are almost never the case. Now, if you want personalized help with your speaking, because maybe you want to feel more confident or you want to develop your signature talk or your keynote. Check out my services on semi-conventional.com. A new website is just around the corner. And remember, if you are interested in having a group experience where we learn a lot of different lessons about speaking and get practice and really improve our spoken image skills, sign up for the interest list at semi com slash speaking. And you will definitely be the first to know when I release that program. I can't wait to tell you all more. That's all for today. Before you go, thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button, then leave a review so other aspiring thought leaders can find the show and hone their spoken image too. That's it for today. And remember, I'm rooting for you.